Hello and welcome back to the journey through healing. My name is Sophia. Today will be the final heavy topic that we will discuss. <laughs> we are nearing the end of the season and I have officially decided to not do this podcast for a few years after the season because I do need time to just live, work through these topics and really just keep discovering myself and I know that I don't have as much time as I would have liked because quarantine is slowly coming to an end but I would like to finish off the season with some more lighter topics and episodes focusing more on positive things but yet they're very important as well so I think a lot of this season is very focused on both positives and negatives the last few episodes have been more negative but I know that they're necessary to grow I just want to have the last few episodes be more lighthearted and focus more on the action part of things instead of analyzing and understanding it's gonna be more about what can we do to love ourselves more what can we do to connect to our soul more so we're going to now start emphasizing the positive so today we will be talking about imposter syndrome now I was never initially going to do an episode on this but listening back to especially the most recent episode and just looking back on a lot of the way I am I realized that imposter syndrome is, is super prevalent and actually explains a lot of the things that I've already talked about about myself in these episodes I know at least everyone deals with this for sure once in their life I know a lot of famous musicians that I admire deal with this anyone that has felt success probably has dealt with imposter syndrome so I feel like it's very relatable so what is imposter syndrome it refers to an internal experience that you believe you're not as competent as other people perceive you to be. So basically you feel like you're a fraud and that in any moment someone can call you out and say you're not as smart as you actually are or you're actually not that great of a soccer player as you actually are. So usually this comes with a fear of people finding out who we truly are and who we truly are is what we think we are. So it doesn't mean that's actually what we are, it's just that we may believe that we're not as good as people made us out to be. So so with imposter syndrome, usually what happens is we doubt our abilities a lot. So if we do achieve some sort of success, we usually think it's a fluke or it was just pure luck. We don't give ourselves any credit for the hard work we've put into a situation. We usually downplay our success. So when people compliment us, we usually just say, oh no, it actually wasn't that good. It was actually easy for everybody. I'm not special. Or we focus the attention on something else. And like I've said in other episodes, I have trouble accepting compliments so when I was reading about imposter syndrome I was like oh wow look at this this is it and a lot of other things that I am I realize it's because of this so being able to name that I guess spectrum of emotions that I feel or behaviors that I have from one thing is very helpful because now I can take the steps forward to overcome them so some common signs of imposter syndrome include self-doubt an inability to realistically assess your competence and skills so like I said we might be great athletes and every Everyone tells us that we are and we have achievements to prove it I guess but our, we ourselves don't believe in our own abilities we don't feel worthy of it we don't feel like we're actually that good we might even fall into the place of pairing ourselves to other people and saying no but there's so many better athletes out there we might just not feel as special as we actually are and all the hard work we put into it we don't feel like it was actually enough I talked a bit about this in the last episode where I feel like I always have to one-up everything I do and I'm always have to be productive because I feel like sitting down and silence is a waste of time. Attributing your success to external factors. So like I said, you win a medal in a race, you came first, and people say congrats, it must have been a lot of hard work, you practiced so many nights for this, you focused on your recovery, your mental health, you envisioned this. 
And then you might say, oh, it's only because I have a good coach or, oh, it's only because the people I was racing aren't the best people I was racing. And you look externally for reasons why you achieved what you achieved instead of saying, yeah, I did put the work in and it was difficult and I overcame injuries and I had to meditate every day to try and keep my mind in a positive light. But we don't say that. We focus on everything but ourselves. Berating your performance, that goes hand in hand. <laughs> Fear that you won't live up to expectations. Overachieving. So basically when we set so many expectations or goals on ourselves that are probably unachievable only because it's unrealistic or there's just so many that it's overwhelming for a human to do all at once. We obviously can't meet those expectations or those goals because we expect too much from ourselves and we might feel the need to be overproductive which is another thing that I've already talked about which causes us to do this sabotaging your own success and setting very challenging goals and feeling disappointed when you fall short we put so much pressure on ourselves to try and achieve something to prove our own self-worth to ourselves and then we can't do it because we set way too many goals or there's not baby steps to get there they're just one huge step that usually the process to get there takes time and we get impatient with ourselves and we desperately need hurry up and get to our destination our endpoint to achieve our goal because we need to prove ourselves but it doesn't matter even if we get there we'll still never feel good enough because we have to do something else to maintain that and I guess maybe that's the fear too is that you won't be able to do it again or then you just don't feel like you made the best with what you have so where does imposter syndrome come from well we really don't know obviously there's so many different circumstances that cause different fears and the same fears with within everybody but I think a common place is within childhood or throughout your life at any point really basically you have been in an environment frequently and often that people expected highly of you put that expectation on you to be better and the weird thing is that the first time we ever got an A plus on a test in elementary school we were congratulated for that and we were praised for it it was ever since then that the pressure maybe put on ourselves but also from other people to try and get that same reaction from others and validation and trying to feel like you're worthy and feel like you're functioning properly in society is to get another A plus. So then from there, it's a buildup throughout the years of constantly internalizing this pressure we put within to achieve those feelings and achieve that success. That could be in anything. That could be in a sport. That could be in any type of personal goal that you have. It could be honestly in the way we are healing with our mental health own mental health journeys that's another thing too the vicious cycle about imposter syndrome is that because we technically did work really hard but it's not even working hard it's overworking ourselves over preparing over analyzing just burning out in general but because we maybe practiced four hours a day every single day for half the year and then we finally got first place in whatever we were doing we believe that because we did all that work that it led to our success so what happens is it's almost like an addiction where you do the same amount again or usually you actually increase the amount that you you did to try and achieve the exact same result that just causes us to constantly do that over and over again I found this one example online too that I thought was really interesting because I used to be like this too, but still once in a while I say oh I haven't talked to this person in a while let me think of ideas of what I should say before I call them or before we hang out so that way I know what to say so memorizing like certain ideas or certain stories I want to tell 
world before I see people. That whole ritual almost. It's what causes me to believe that because I did that, that all my conversations went well. So if I sat down the night before and said, okay, tomorrow I have to hang out with this person. What have I not told them since last time I saw them? So I think of ideas, maybe even write them down. And then the next day I go there and usually I just throw it all out the window. Like I got a lot better at that. So now I just go with the flow. Like whatever I say, I say what I forget to say, who cares? But I still have sometimes that tendency um, when I have that fear and insecurity. And let's say I use some of those things I wrote down the night before in the conversation. Then I'll say that that conversation was successful because I did that. So that gives us the, maybe the, the security that we should do that again. And it becomes an obsession based off of a fear. The biggest issue with imposter syndrome is usually it doesn't even matter how well you achieved anything. Even if it's the maximum you could achieve anything, you still feel like there's more to do and you still feel like there's work that can be done. It causes us to fall into the pattern of overworking ourselves and over repairing. That's why it's such a hard thing to break out of just because validate ourselves because of it and our achievements might not even prove us wrong. So if we win consecutively first prize for 10 years, that might still not be enough for us and we still might feel like in order to maintain it, I need to continue doing the obsessions I created or I need to increase the obsessions I've created in order to maintain this because everyone's going to catch up to me. And you ask yourself, why am I here? Why did I win this? I don't deserve to win this. And you start having a lot of negative self-talk that really tears you down. It comes from a place of low self-esteem, but every single time you do that, you're just decreasing your self-esteem even more. So there's different types of ways to identify with imposter syndrome. There's five different types. So I'm going to explain them each to you and then maybe you'll resonate the most with one or two of them and you'll finally know how to take the steps forward so that you know what you're dealing with. So the first type is the perfectionist. So the perfectionist is probably the one that I resonate with the most. <laughs> I pretty much already even explained it to be honest because it's the most common way people identify with imposter syndrome but basically it's people who strive for perfection so anything less than perfect is a failure to them. So they focus so much on their flaws and their mistakes that it overrides their strengths and they don't see the good in things because they're so fixated on the negative. They deal with a lot of pressure internally and a lot of anxiety within because like I said, perfection doesn't exist. So the perfectionists here are striving for something that doesn't even exist and they never give themselves credit for any sort of improvement that they have or any sort of achievement they get because it's not up to the unrealistic expectations they've set for themselves. The next type of imposter syndrome that people usually resonate with is the superhero. So these people usually push themselves and overwork themselves the most and the reason they do this is because they're trying so hard to make sure that no one sees that they're a fraud, that they do way too much when they're actually never even a fraud to begin with. So they feel like the need to prove themselves to other people or to hide the fact that they feel like that they're a fraud but they're really not a fraud. So they do way too much and they do this in all aspects of life. So for me, I realize I do this with pretty much everything but as a coach, as a teammate, as a friend, as a sister, as a granddaughter, as an athlete, as a musician, literally anything that I do, I go beyond what's needed for me to achieve the exact same result but I think that if I do way more that it's better but you know sometimes less is more. The next type is the expert. These people feel the need to know every single detail of every single thing they're about to do so they constantly are looking for new information, new knowledge before they enter any situation. So if they're gonna go into a job 
interview, they over-research and try and make sure they know every single thing about company, about maybe proper etiquette in this company, what they should wear, how they should speak, what they should say, what strengths they should highlight. These people are usually very intelligent, but they undermine their own expertise because they believe that there's so much more to learn. And usually these people don't ask for help when they need help and they're afraid to speak up about any questions they may have because they're afraid of looking like really dumb or something. Like they feel like people are going to find out that they're actually not very smart and they're afraid of not knowing the answer to everything. The next type is the natural genius. These people are used to things coming very easily to them. So whenever they try something for the first time and they fail the first time, they believe they're an imposter that they aren't meant to do this certain task. Usually this comes with setting very high goals and especially like we all know if you try something the first time usually it's probably the worst try you'll ever have <laughs> because you're doing it for the very first time and things take practice to become good at. They use that as proof that they were never meant to do this or that they're naturally not good at it because they didn't get it on their first try and then just shut down and quit. And the last type is the soloists. So these people are very individualistic. They like to work by themselves and accomplish tasks by themselves. So they might even shut out a lot of people that are trying to help them. Uh, this is the same thing as the superhero who doesn't really, or the expert even, who don't really want to ask for help and are afraid to do so because they think it's a sign of weakness. A lot of their self-worth comes from their productivity. When they're not being productive, and productive in their eyes is like a hyperactive mind usually, than what most people think is productive to them. If they're not being productive or they don't achieve something by themselves, they think that they're an imposter and that they are a fraud. So now that we know the different types, it's important that you read into these and see which type you are. If you'll notice that a lot of them, actually probably everyone, has at least one thing in common. All of these stem from low self-esteem and having to prove your self-worth when no one even needs you to prove it to them. So a lot of it's trying to prove it to yourself. I noticed actually very recently that I feel like an imposter in things that I do, right? But recently, I feel like an imposter to myself. So before, it was more evident in, like I said, like my sport and school and being a good friend and being a good family member stuff like that where I'm afraid that people are gonna find out that I'm actually just not that good and I'm actually either a really bad person or I'm actually a really bad runner recently it's turned into me thinking that my actual being isn't real I'm not sure what that is I still need to dive into because it it's so recent <laughs> person that I say that I am authentically it feels like it's not real either so I know that every single person has an ego so that person that we show to the world that we want people to see us as and want people to know. But then there's our authentic self, our true self, our core self within us. The only time truly that we are our authentic selves is when we are sitting in our own presence. And sometimes that can illuminate when we're with other people. But even then there's always a little part of our ego that is taking over. But that's why it's important that we try and illuminate our authentic selves as often as we can. And I feel like I was able to do that a bit. But obviously there will always be some sort of film over our authentic selves whenever we're in the presence of anybody or a camera or whatever that is. It's inevitable and I don't think that it can ever truly go away. It's important that our egos don't overstep, like overtake our authentic selves when we are in the presence of other people or when we know people are watching us or listening to us. And even now, like I'm very authentic when I'm on this podcast, 
but still there's always that this, this film over what I'm claiming to be authentic right in this moment because there's a microphone here and because my friends could listen to this or a stranger could listen to this I can never truly say oh yeah this is 100% me being my honest self because it's not because there's equipment recording me right now <laughs> right so it's impossible but I think what's weird is that even when I am alone in my own presence I feel like a fraud to myself I don't know even what that is but there actually isn't really any proof that it's true I can't even say anything on it right now because I need to learn about it so in a few years if I decide to do this podcast again maybe I'll have the answer to this but right now I have no idea what that is <laughs> because I want to focus more on the affectionate side of things since I relate to that very much here are signs that you have an unhealthy idea of perfectionism so being heavily invested in the high expectations of others such as your parents lawyers friends, teachers, really anyone that you might seek validation from, doubts about whether you are doing something correctly, excessive preoccupation with control. We talked so much about control. Here it is, back at it again with another symptom. <laughs> excessive preoccupation with past mistakes. So that's quite common if you're an overthinker where you constantly dwell on the past and might focus on maybe a cringe moment you had or you know things you regret, your faults, or maybe what you could have done differently in situations or you might even have a fear of just making new mistakes and you're afraid of the uncertainty that comes with the future of life that's why it's so important to live in the present moment so that way we don't dwell on the past and we don't fear the future we live in the here and the now and one more thing i wanted to touch upon which i found kind of interesting too is the idea of perfectionism being part of ocds we know perfectionism is an overwhelming fear of making mistakes and needing things to be done to par of our own unrealistic expectations that we set for ourselves here's signs of obsessions that are often seen with perfection perfectionism in the form of OC. So performing tasks until they feel right and they feel just, a fear of the consequences of making mistakes, a need for one's behavior and performance to adhere to a particular rule or standard that we set, fear that one's work will be seen as poorly done with possible punishment or job loss, usually a catastrophic result from even the smallest mistakes that we make. A need to bring the same level of effort, detail, and energy into every single task. So every single task is equally important. And that's why sometimes it's hard for perfectionists, especially if they have OCD symptoms or they do have OCD, that it's hard for them to make a list and just pick two things to do from it, right? Because if everything is seen as equally important, then they have issues prioritizing what needs to be done today and what can wait for tomorrow. And usually there's this thing where they believe that, well, I have time today. Even if they actually don't have enough time to do everything, they'll say, well, today is today. Tomorrow is too far away. So I'm going to make sure I do every single thing right now. And we already know that the issue with that is we are not being present because we're rushing through what we need to check off our bucket list instead of living in the moment focusing on what's really important not rushing through things when you rush through things then it's usually of lesser value that you produce than if you were to pick just one or two things to focus on and really flesh out the ideas you need for it or to fully produce the best outcome that you can from it there's an intense fear of making the wrong decisions so making mistakes and there's a tremendous need to fix finish some action or project once it's started. So that's another thing, is that when we start something, 
we feel the need to finish it. No matter how much time we have or how burnt out we are, we gotta start where we finish. And a huge issue as well, which every perfectionist has, is the fear of making the wrong decision, no matter how minuscule they really are. Because we always create these overwhelming and extremely complicated and catastrophic end results that could happen because usually we look at everything that can happen, we focus on the most negative thing possible when the probability of it happening is very low. But we focus so much on it. That's probably because we either grew up with very uh, maybe strict parents or guardians, whoever that was. Maybe we did get punished for making honest mistakes or we got yelled at or we made people angry because of things we didn't mean to do but it happens. But that's the thing is that mistakes are inevitable. If we live a life where we're afraid to make mistakes, we're not really living at all because mistakes are part of learning and growing and it's in those moments that we have mistakes that we remember our mistakes and we therefore learn from it and we're able to grow from it and become better. If we're afraid to make mistakes, you'll always be making the mistake of having that fear. If you stay in your house all day because you're afraid that if you go outside you'll get run over by a car, your mistake is that you didn't get to actually go out and enjoy the weather. Maybe you would have ran into a friend on the street or maybe you could have found a cat to pet. <laughs> like there's so many there's so many good things that can come of things but we hold ourselves back sometimes because of our fears. Here is a quote from Mark Twain. Courage is resistance to fear, mastery of fear, not absence of fear. Now this can be really hard especially if we don't feel like it's within us but everyone has courage and I think a lot of people mistake in courage or fearlessness with having no fear, right? <laughs> people think that they're just because people are unafraid that they're able to do all the things that they do. But the truth is is that it's when we resist fear that we hold ourselves back from truly living. How many times were you afraid of or maybe even nervous or anxious for an exam or a job interview and you did it and you survived? Even if you did well, it doesn't matter. You still were able to live through that and usually it's not actually as scary as we really think it is. But we have to sometimes push ourselves in those environments that inevitably will happen. And of course I'm not saying put yourself in a position where you're gonna deal with something life-threatening or you know you have to know your triggers you can't just put yourself even the mistakes thing i'm not saying purposely make mistakes so you learn from them because now you're just being silly okay i'm not saying make mistakes i'm saying allow yourself the freedom to make mistakes remember love is freedom and if you love yourself you'll give yourself the freedom to try new things and if they go well great if they don't that's okay you can try them again and if you don't want to that's perfectly fine now you know that you don't like maybe the certain job that you had now you know that you don't want to do that for the rest of your life so now you can find a new path but without mistakes and taking the time to learn you'll never know if you like something or not and you'll never know if that's the path you want to go on courage in its finest form is being afraid acknowledging you're afraid saying i am terrified right now but i'm going to go to this job interview anyway or i'm terrified right now but i am going to lead into my emotions and discover my demons and i think those are the people that we can get inspired by the most because a lot of times we're battling within ourselves to do something externally but it does start from within and if we can tap into the courage that we have within ourselves we'll find true inspiration from our own selves and our own beings once we do overcome that fear for however long it takes one day we'll look back at that and say you know what i was so scared but i did it and maybe it didn't turn out the exact way that i expected it to that's why we can't have 
you know, perfectionist expectations, but it's still something to be proud of because whether something works out or not, you gave it a try and that's the point. And if you don't try, you'll never know. So our reflection question for today is in what situations do you lack the most confidence? So we know that imposter syndrome is the result of low self-esteem, low confidence, low self-worth, and low belief in our own abilities, which has been a very common underlying theme to all these episodes, really. <laughs> it's important to look at when we feel like we lack confidence. And don't be ashamed if you write down most aspects of your life, because it's hard usually to not let uh, our lack of confidence bleed into everything that we do. And that's why when we do build it up, everything around us seems to come together and get better at once. And once you write that down, explore how your childhood upbringing or your social conditioning may have contributed to your insecurity. What outdated beliefs about yourself and your inner child are you holding back? We'll have an episode actually on connecting to our inner child, so sorry to spoil it. If you're not sure what that means right now, you will very soon. But basically, it's your most authentic self. It's your most natural being because that's the person that came into this world. And we all have our inner child within and maybe they are damaged because of childhood trauma and they might be carrying a lot of burdens. They also carry a lot of wisdom and a lot of creativity and curiosity. So it's important to be able to tap into that, but we'll have an episode on that. So we'll talk about that later. <laughs> and for our reflection activity for today, we will be tapping into our inner warriors. We are tapping into the courage that is within us to overcome all these fears. So we're going to be doing a catharsis. A catharsis is basically when we're trying to release old stagnant energy. And you have to remember that energy is never meant to stay in one place for a long time, which is why a lot of times it becomes a physical illness where we might get muscle cramps. And a lot of times we are keeping a lot of negative energy, the one that keeps us very doubtful and very worried. And a lot of us have different types of built-up energies within us that are actually holding ourselves back from, you know, moving with the flow of life. And we just basically need to release this energy in some way. So with a catharsis, we have to do some sort of intense physical activity with the intention of releasing these emotions. You can go for a really intense exercise. So I like to run, but that's just me. <laughs> You don't have to run, you could do whatever sort of exercise you want, whether that's slamming a hockey puck against a wall or kicking a soccer ball really far. You want to make sure that you think about releasing that old stagnant energy that's keeping you stuck in a negative space. I also like to just dance around to music, so <laughs> whatever is your favorite artist, play them and just completely throw yourself around just jumping like crazy. Don't try and like a follow along dance music video or whatever try and do something that just comes from whatever you're feeling currently and wherever you feel that stuck energy specifically focus on that body part that you're trying to let emotions escape from you could even watch a really scary or sad movie you can just scream into your pillow there's so many different ways to release this old tension and all these stuck emotions that honestly it's really up to you so whatever you're vibing with whatever you're feeling like doing honestly just do it and that is our episode. I keep forgetting to say this every episode, but <laughs> there is an email. You can email me anytime you'd like to talk about maybe your own experiences or if you have any tips that you think might help me, that would be really nice. Please share. I'd love to get to interact with the listeners and this season is coming to an end very shortly. So if you'd like to just send me a nice message of how maybe some of this has resonated with you, maybe not, whatever it is, please be nice though, because you know, I'm very sensitive. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I'm not trying to read some hate, okay? So you can email me at thejourneythroughhealing at gmail.com. If you want, I can talk about it on the last episode and I can shout you out if you want me to, or I could just read the message that you sent. I hope that this week you release all that stagnant energy and you tap into that inner warrior that you have. You remember that you're actually not a fraud. You are not an imposter. No one's seeking it out of you. No one is watching you as intently as you think that they are. <laughs> I hope that you have a awesome week full of courage within you and full of self-love.